I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. And we coming from our basement to your headphones. Barely even know who we are, but changing the unknown. Thank you for downloading the podcast, Theanos. Now here are your hosts, Jordan Hall and Eric Wayne. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast, Theanos. The wait is over. The show is back. I am Jordan Hall, um, and I'm not joined this week by Eric Wayne, but instead by Mr. Robert Jackie. Rod, what's going on? Uh, not much. Just trying to get over those uh, those last couple of rough days. Of yeah. Tigers baseball. It was uh, it was not fun. No, it's 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 been a special kind of soul crushing these last two games. I'd say a little bit. And like the worst part isn't even so much the baseball, but like my girlfriend made me go to this thing. I don't know if you've heard of this. This thing called Flywheel. I have not. Um, it is. Oh man, it was it was ter- terrible. Okay, so first of all, long story short, she made me get up and work out at eight fifteen in the morning on a Saturday. Ooh. Um, but what flywheel is, is it's a spin class where they put you, you're in the dark. There's like, I mean, there's a little bit of light. You can like see things around you, but not much. It looks kind of like a club and they're playing loud music, kind of like a club. Um, and you know, the class itself is fine. It's like a, I, I, I don't do spin classes all that often, but I imagine there's like an instructor telling you what to do and whatnot. And that was fine, but I almost fell off the bike, the, the stationary bike that is, that is bolted down. Um, almost fell off of that as soon as they had me try to like stand up on the bike. And so I didn't do that at the end. And then of course, you know, the, the whole working out part was a little bit rough too. As it usually is just kind of in general. And so that, that is a new segment that may be on our podcast called things Rob's girlfriend makes him do. Oh, that's, that's, I tune in for that. I mean, I hope she's not listening to this, so we'll see. I feel like I, I did. I, like I did a pretty safe bet. She's if not. She, if she is somehow listening to this, I did agree to this. I was not all that course, but it was her idea. Um, so if, in case you're wondering what's up, this is kind of like a special week in the life of our two podcasts. Um, Eric is joining your show, which is the Voice of the Turtle podcast. And obviously, Rob is joining me tonight. Um, do you think this is something that our great-great-grandchildren will eventually be talking about? God, I hope not. <laughs> I, re- I really hope. I, ho- I hope our children don't even figure out about this. That'd be terrible. Um, so the podcast, to be honest, was on break the last two weeks. Uh, my wife and I were in the Pacific Northwest on vacation, spent a couple days in Vancouver and about a week in Seattle. Uh, got to see King Felix pitch, was, which was pretty awesome. Um, you guys were all over the place. The, in- the Instagrams, I- I'm keeping up on the Instagram. That was pretty sweet. 
as Eric and I discussed last time we were on the show, my Instagram and promoting it is actually the reason why we have a podcast. <laughs> um, but huh. but yeah, uh, saw King Felix pitch. He was he was actually terrible. He he got destroyed. But um, I don't know if you have you seen, but he has he buys out like the corner. It would be in like left left field, and they're all wearing these like yellow shirts, and they get super pumped when he walks in, and they're playing. You know that song. Uh, that he's the man, he's the man, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Oh, yep. it was it was so hype in there. Um, and then he almost immediately just got shelled by the Astros. Yeah, they um, show that they show that group in the crowd kind of all the time. Uh, the people with the shirts and wasn't that thing they they did like the turkey leg for that? Remember when the Tigers were there and they interviewed some random dude with a turkey leg? I think that I think that was because of the what do they call it? The King's Court. King's Court. Yeah, that, that's right. Yeah. I think that I think that's what it was, but yeah, that was like the the one of the first times that they just started interviewing random people <laughs> in the stands instead of you know like reporters. A Johnny Kane special, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, we actually saw Drew Carey. We went to a Sounders game, and he, we were at this like pre-match hype up, hype up event, and um, all of a sudden Drew Carey is up there giving like the hype speech. Like, what are the chances? Drew Carey's I here. thought he was like a Cleveland guy. He is, but I think he's a part owner of the Sounders. So, All right. But apparently they don't film The, the Price is Right uh, during the weekend. Who knew? Huh. Uh, before we get into the meat of the show, uh, I'd like to take a second to remember the passing of Marlins pitcher Jose Fernandez. Um, it's so sad and unexpected and kind of just a, a punch in the gut. Do you have a favorite Jose Fernandez memory? Um, oh man. I mean, that game that he pitched against the Tigers this year was, was awesome. Uh, but just seeing him pitch, I would, I, he was like one of the few players that, you know, having an MLB TV account, I would go back and just try to watch as many of his starts as he could. Um, whenever the Marlins came to DC, uh, I would try to get tickets for his starts. And I actually try, uh, I really tried to get to one this year, but there was like a rain out and they played a double header and he actually ended up switching to like the first game of that double header. And so I didn't end up making it. And that was uh that was a disappointing to not be able to see him live, but it's just so sad. Uh, seeing the notification on my phone this morning, it, you know, it just made me sick to my stomach. Yeah. That's like the last thing in the world you want to want to wake up to. I told him uh, when he pitched against us on opening day, um, my wife and I usually spend a little bit of time in Florida during spring training. I'm like, we have to get over to, uh, there's somewhere on the Atlantic side to see him pitch next, next year. And it's just, it's such a bummer that, that we'll never get to get to experience that. Cause he was, it was, it seems like he was such a, uh, such a happy dude full of life and just mm-hmm. to see it end, end this way is it's so, so sad and, um, just far yeah. too young. Uh, if you want to get in touch with the show, you can uh, at podcastianos.com or on Twitter. I am at JordanHall23. The show is at Podcastianos, and your Twitter account is? Uh, I'm at BYBRob. Um, and you can follow Eric. He is at Comerica Eric. Um, let's see. And we'd love it if you take the time to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes. That would be fantastic. I'm Blaine Hardy, and you're listening to the podcast, Yanos. So let's jump right into the Tigers talk. Um, this week started off so promising. Uh, started off with five straight wins that had us in the playoffs. We were in, if the season ended, we were in. And then it happened. Uh, K-Rod blows it in the ninth on Saturday. Boyd essentially blows it in the first uh, today. And all of a sudden, things don't look so hot. Seven games left. How are you feeling? Uh, I'm feeling okay about it. Uh, Having them lose today again and having both, I think both Toronto and Baltimore one today, putting the Tigers, what, one and a half games back. That makes it a little bit rough, but I think that the uh, the Orioles and Blue Jays, don't they play each other next? They do. Coming up. That is, that's convenient. That helps. 
Yeah, so that that'll definitely help. I think Toronto. I'm looking at it now. Toronto actually has a game with the Yankees again, who they played this weekend. I guess a kind of a weird Monday end to the series, but uh, but yeah, then it's Baltimore and Toronto for a few games. So I, I think we almost kind of got a root for like a sweep there, because if one of them gets swept, then the Tigers can kind of sneak back in and end up playing the other one in the in the playoffs. So I think if it's like two for one or two and one in the series, it might make it a little bit tougher. Yeah, that's that's true. Whoever wins game one of the series will have to be serious fans of that. I didn't even think about that, but that's a, that's a really good way of looking at it. Um, before we get to the negatives of the last two games, let's go back for a second to when things were rolling. Thursday night, day-night doubleheader. Uh, for me, that was just about perfection. Anibal and Verlander both turned in you know, veteran performances. The bullpen managed well and they performed well um was there was there a point that day at any point where we thought all right here we go uh, I definitely think it was during the second game uh, I was at work for the first one so I didn't get a chance to check in too much uh, but I was definitely surprised or pleasantly surprised to see that Annabelle had pitched well especially after he had given up that homer in the I think it was in the first inning I think so too yeah um and then yeah getting to the point where the Tigers kind of took the lead in the in the second game I was like all right this is where we really got a chance here because it was looking a little shaky at first they weren't giving Verlander much run support uh but they but they came through in the end and yeah once they took that lead again and I saw Baltimore was losing again yeah that, that was a big part of it too was, was Baltimore getting swept by the Red Sox last week uh but once the once the tigers took the lead in that second game i i really thought that they had a they had a good chance of taking it from there yeah it it was like there's no stats to kind of describe feelings like this but like they got it they got it going and they were doing what what you expect a team fighting for a playoff berth that late in the season to do and i feel like so many times especially over the last i don't know however many years just we we don't turn up in in the big situations like that and just to have you know, like you said, with Baltimore losing and us taking care of business just like that, that was that was a really good feeling. And unfortunately, we couldn't keep that one rolling. No, they couldn't. Uh, but it was it was a good feeling. And you kind of got the sense uh, earlier this week that this Tigers team is finally kind of starting to find its potential. Because if you look like up and down this roster, both on the you know hitting side and pitching side, I think this Tigers team has as much talent or probably even more than any other any of the other teams in the wild card hunt. Um, but you know, they they just had kind of some of these frustrating losses where not everything clicks, whether it's, you know, the bullpen or today, the entire pitching staff. Uh, and those things have just kind of added up over the course of the year. Friday, uh, the following day, brought another win from Michael Fulmer, who we'll, we'll get to here in a second. Um, and that made five in a row. And Saturday was looking good. Daniel Norris was was straight dealing through, I think it was five and two thirds. Um, it was kind of one of those like banner sports days like i had gotten up early to watch man united they won 4-1 michigan at the time was whooping the crap out of penn state and like the sun was shining tigers going into the ninth got that lead um and then the royals put was it five uh, on k-rod in the ninth five runs and all of a sudden what was in the bag that incredible feeling was just gone just just like that flip switched and all of a sudden it's crap here we go again yeah, and it's it's frustrating because you get 
uh, a closer like K-Rod, a guy who's been so good throughout the year, uh, and then just to have kind of one of these meltdowns. Uh, you know, he's definitely been better than some of the closers we've had previously, whether it was Joe Nathan or even, you know, Joaquin Soria was a little shaky at times last year. He had that big blown save against the Twins. I think it was in, like, June or July or something like that where he gave up a ton of runs. Um, and to have K-Rod do all of this and then just kind of melt down, you know, going into the last week of the season, it's it's frustrating, and there's not much room for error at this point. Uh, Tiger Switter, as they pretty much always do, put the blame on the feet of Osmus. Did you have a problem with how he handled the ninth inning? I didn't see the game live, um, but I didn't really have a, too much of a problem with it. Uh, it. Some of this stuff just happens so fast uh, when these guys melt down. Uh, and, you know, with K-Rod, yeah, you could maybe go into someone else to pitch to Hosmer, but he hadn't really been hitting that well lately. And K-Rod's your best guy uh, you know, you're one of your best relievers. So I, I didn't have much of a problem with sticking with him. It was just a bad game, bad yeah, day for that's, It's not something that uh, managers regularly do to take out. You know, you assume that if a guy's throwing the ninth inning, he's your best reliever. And to be fair, K-Rod probably has been, as you say, this uh, the best reliever we had this year. Um, I wouldn't have necessarily minded bringing in a lefty uh, to face him, but it's not like he's he's bad against lefties. He's just not quite as good against that. You know what I mean? Like, Hosmer, yeah, no, Hosmer's, Hosmer's a tough out, mm-hmm. and I I don't have so much. I don't have much in the way of issue with Osmus, and you know the people that I feel like there's a little bit of unnecessary piling on with K Rod. K Rod has been so good for us this year, like. You know, there's no pitcher out there. Even Wade Davis has had a couple, maybe not to this extent, meltdowns. But you know, every every closer is going to blow some saves. It just, yeah. it just, it was at a, at a really inopportune time. And Carrod's had so many save opportunities this year. He's already up over what 40 saves. He's got to be close to the league lead. They've had to rely on him so much, playing so many close games this year. And so it's just kind of the law of probability is that you know some of this stuff is going to happen. He had two outs too didn't he yep yeah he, he, did. he had so two, two i mean he was just on, so on close the, to yeah. getting getting through that even getting the save or getting through that inning and giving them a chance and it, it just didn't happen it's just one of those things yeah uh obviously we can put a little bit of the blame on the offense for for that one too um they left a total of 14 on base and they failed to, to add to the lead in four of the final five innings um this is a completely rhetorical question i don't i don't expect you to have an answer but why can we never add to our leads it's I don't know, man. It's one of those just frustrating things uh, that that game in particular was frustrating because you're going up against a guy in in Jordano Ventura who had really pitched well against the Tigers this year. I think his ERA they probably talked about it on the broadcast was what under two mm-hmm. against the Tigers in several starts this year. Yeah, and they got and him he's out of, never they got lost him out of the game. against us. Yeah, and they got him out of the game so early. And so you think like even though the Royals have a good bullpen. Uh, getting into any team's middle relief and ha- forcing them to throw four or five innings in a game, you think you're going to break through at some point, and it just didn't happen. Um, you follow, writing for Beyond the Box Score, you, you follow the league more uh, at a league-wide basis. Is that, um, is that a trend in baseball, not being able to, to add, on league, uh, add on to leads, or is that something that's more just an us thing? I mean, I, obviously, I, I don't know if you know precisely i i don't know precisely but i imagine it is kind of a league-wide thing uh and part of it i think is just because how hard relievers are throwing these days Mm -hmm. like what you go back what 10 years and you'd have a couple guys that could throw 95 in a bullpen and now everybody in a bullpen can throw 95 or above and so you get all these guys coming out of the pen you know just throwing all the smoke and all this raw nasty stuff and you know some teams will break through against middle relief but i think in general you kind of got to get to the starter uh before the team can get him out of
out of the game. The, what do they call the third time through the order penalty? Mm-hmm, yeah. uh, scoring in the middle innings, I think, before they pull that starter is really kind of your best time to, to get at the teams. And I think it's a little bit of human nature, too. I mean, if you if you have a lead, obviously you're not lowering your um, you know your drive to, to score and whatnot, but I, I feel like sometimes um, you see a lot more at-bats given away, specifically with the Tigers, when we do have that three, four-run lead. Um, and, you know, it's, it's hard to say that, they're they're phoning in at that point but i do do get a sense that um when we're up maybe the intensity level drops just a hair whereas with other teams specifically the royals and the indians uh it doesn't you know they just keep driving yeah and i part of it is too we've talked about it in other shows before is that the base running is a big Mm -hmm. issue for the tigers both the stats and the eye test show that they're one of the worst base running teams in baseball whereas you get teams like the royals and indians who run the base as well and it's not necessarily playing small ball but seeing guys go you know like first to third or whatever or dancing on pitches in the dirt or wild pitches those things add up and it makes it easier to score runs when you can put a little bit more pressure on the defense that way i mean you don't need to be bunting or stealing bases all over the place but having guys who can run on your roster definitely adds another element to your game and the tigers don't necessarily have that all the time yeah and it's not even so much that can just won't i mean we we do have some guys with some speed you know cam obviously yeah, he's probably stolen more bases than just about anyone we've had in recent memory but kinsler he's he's decently quick he's just not um how should we put this gently he doesn't he's not always the most dialed in on the base paths um, yeah he definitely tends to have his brain farts uh, out there he's been picked off a few times this year i'd don't know exactly how many but it's uh and it's one of those things that even goes back to his days in texas a lot of uh rangers fans will chime in anytime kinsler pops up or anytime he gets picked off the bases saying oh you know it's the same old kinsler that we had but not not to pick on kinsler at all he's been uh, a godsend this year oh yeah um, for sure. so was saturday not to get too doom and gloom but was saturday the the, the game that makes us miss the postseason Honestly, I think it was today. It was Sunday because the Tigers still had a chance to to do some damage. Matt Boyd had been pitching pretty well. Uh, he's struggled against the Royals in his career. I think it's like two or three times now that they've knocked him out uh, in like the first few innings of a game. And he's only been here for just over a year. Um, but I think that, you know, getting through today and having the rest of the bullpen not being able to to hold things down and have the Tigers still score nine runs but not win the game, I think that one was kind of the game that they they kind of needed to get that one and get up off the bat after after blowing things on Saturday, uh, and it, it just didn't happen for them. And if, if it does come down to it, I think it'll be, you know, they'll maybe miss things by, like, a game too, and that's going to be frustrating. Yeah, and truly the last two games have been the most Tigers-y way to just, just give games away closer issues and then you know having first inning problems and not being able to to get the runs in when you when you need to um but let's let's focus on let's go back to daniel norris let's talk some positives um norris was fantastic five and two thirds two earned six k's um and truly i thought he was better than maybe the stat line uh showed he has been he's been incredible over the last uh nine starts he has, and it's kind of one of those things that you look at it, and this is his longest stretch of being healthy mm-hmm. since he joined the team, and I think that definitely plays a role in why he's been so good. Uh, I was crunching some of the numbers before his start, and he was striking out something like 35% of his batters in ju- just in September, so it's only you know three starts. I haven't looked at what he's done in, in four starts so far, but it's still a very high strikeout rate, and you're seeing a lot of 
positive signs from him. Uh, I like the the number of swings and misses he's getting on his fastball. He's putting it up in the zone. He's locating it well, and uh, other teams just can't catch up to it. And it's it's great to see that you know that stuff is still there, even though he's had kind of these ups and downs and some some injury issues uh, over the last year. Yeah, it's an interesting point with the with the fastball up. I feel like more and more over the last couple of years, we've seen that be a weapon used against us, specifically some of some of the big guys in the lineup, you know, Miggy and, and JD. And to see somebody on our team effectively using that is is really nice. I, I appreciate that. Um, but like you said, nine straight he's made nine straight starts, um, which is like you said the longest. Uh, stretch i guess you'd say um that he's made with with us coming since he came over in the in the trade um that's very important and he's gone five or more in each of those um not you know he's not turning it not that not that five is is going deep into the game but you can't you know you can't expect to stick in the rotation if you're not going at least five um the, he has those two plus pitches in my opinion which between the fastball and the slider I got a, a little bit of a hot take for you. I think that his pure stuff is better than Michael Fulmer's. Um, I I don't know if it's better than Michael Fulmer's because Fulmer just has that ridiculous changeup. Mm-hmm. Uh, in his start on Friday, there was an at bat. I think it was uh, Morales in like the first or second inning, and just I think Morales. I remember this because Morales got ahead like two one or something like that, and then Fulmer just throws just the nastiest changeup that falls off the table into the dirt and then throws another slider going right at his back foot. And, uh, Morales misses both of them by a mile. And so while I don't necessarily know if Norris has the same raw stuff as Fulmer, that's a pretty, pretty high bar to clear. Uh, yeah, and definitely. so I'm, I'm definitely happy to have Norris here. And I think he does have that great stuff. He's throwing his slider a little bit harder too. I've noticed and that that has really worked out well for him over the last few starts. Yeah, that when when he when we came out when he came over in the in the trade, there I was reading scouting reports on him that said that he profiles as you know having some of the best stuff of any left-hander in the game, and I'm not going to say that I didn't see it um, until very recently, but it was it was definitely hidden. Uh, but that that slider, like you say, throwing it harder, it's more of a wipeout slider now than it was before, and I definitely appreciate that. Did you see when they put the side-by-side of his delivery next to David Price? It was on the Fox broadcast. No, I didn't see that. I'll have to go back and look at that. They, uh, yeah, so they put them side-by-side, and it's essentially the exact same motion. Um, and I, I like to talk about simplicity of, of deliveries all the time. But the way he's going now, just the simple little step to the side and going to the plate just like Price, you know, when there's less moving parts like that, there's less to throw off your delivery. And all of a sudden, his delivery has become way more repeatable. I don't know who you know spotted that and made the, made the fix, but definitely a massive tip of the cap there. Oh, definitely. And you got to wonder if, you know, almost, well, maybe not Price himself since they got traded for each other. Um, but someone definitely got in his ear about that. Another thing that I like about his delivery is that it's very clean. Mm, uh, yeah. Mechanically, he, there aren't really many red flags there. Uh, and so hopefully that will keep him healthy keep his arm out of trouble you know everything else he's had so far has been like other stuff he had like the oblique injury and like back and i think he had another oblique or something like that but never really any trouble in his arm and that's always a good sign for a pitcher uh another thing that i've liked um out of norris is um just uh you know kind of the way he is able to 
stay composed mm. on the mound. Yeah. Um, you know, at Bless You Boys, as fate would have it, at Bless You Boys, we actually have one of his high school coaches like on our staff. Uh, it was just like the most random coincidence ever when when he got traded. This guy just piped up and was like, "Oh yeah, so I uh, I coached Norris in high school," and uh, just to like hear all the great things he had to say about how you know Norris is just this incredible kid and such a hard worker. Uh, it was good to hear and made made it very easy to root for him from the start. Yeah, definitely. From I mean, you got the whole van thing. He's obviously a good-looking dude. He's the, got the macho thing going. Um, but I yeah, it's it's really good to be able to like root hard for him. He's definitely become one of my my favorite players here in the last, I don't know, month or so. Um Let's talk about Boyd and Michael Fulmer. Obviously, taking aside the debacle today, Boyd has given us a chance to win. I was I looked back in seven of the last nine starts, five quality starts in that time. Um, I seriously question what we had in him coming out of spring training, but that is th- those are usable fifth starter numbers, and that's it's something that I'm I'm super pumped about going into next year because uh, it's essentially I mean he was kind of a throw in to the to the David Price deal. Yeah, he really was. Uh, he was definitely kind of the third arm there because the other one, uh, the minor leaguer, Hyro Labort, people were kind of excited about him as, you know, this guy who has all this, you know, nasty raw stuff, uh, you know, command definitely not there. I think he had a pretty rough year down in the minors. But, you know, M- Matt Boyd was kind of an afterthought. And then he comes out in what was it like his first start with the team and throws seven shutout innings or whatever it was. I'm talking back in 2015, mm-hmm. um, you know, has this great start. And yeah, he'd struggled at times uh, over the rest of the year. But to see what he's been able to do this year, uh, really kind of as the team has needed him, um, you know, they've had injury issues and he's just come up from the minors and done his job. He's had rough spots, of course, but, uh, you know, overall he's pitching well and he's still a young guy. He's only, what, 25? 25, yep. And the thing yeah. that's going to be really interesting with both him and Norris is what they what they what they're able to accomplish this offseason because Norris uh, I feel like we talked about this last time you guys were on on the show that Norris didn't have a regular offseason this year where he could develop and get stronger he was fighting off cancer and then another was it a back injury Um, yeah he had that like back injury during spring training or whatever yeah that he just he didn't have that time to to better himself I mean that's that's when you improve most I would assume as as a player is when you have you know you don't have games every day and you're able to to work on stuff with him being able to go into next year um healthy hopefully and with a a full off season of of improvements I think it could be scary with with what both of them can bring to the table next year yeah, them and Michael Fulmer. I mean, you got to think that that the the starting rotation they have now with Verlander, Fulmer, Norris, Boyd, and then hopefully a healthy Jordan Zimmerman, that could be a pretty good one going into next year. Obviously, yeah. they have to stay they have to stay healthy, but uh, you know, to start the year, I I like are their odds with that one. You can't I can't I kind of can't remember a time that there was this much optimism around like the young talent in the rotation. I guess since like when Bonderman and Maroth were were kids coming up and even still I mean, this, this level of talent is much, much higher than that. Maybe I mean you could kind of look back to like Scherzer and Porcello yeah, a little true. bit when they when they came up. Uh obviously there was kind of a drop off after that before they traded for uh Doug Fister and Anibal Sanchez, but you know Scherzer was really kind of the the one that I was always excited about, you know, having heard about him when he was in the minors in Arizona and then to get this, you know, young starter who has this uh, you know super electric fastball and obviously it definitely worked out for the Tigers. Uh but no, it was th- those were fun times too. Do you uh this is just just a personal preference question. Obviously we have the loaded lineup. Um but does the does the young talent in the rotation do more for you than than say like a loaded lineup? 
Um, yeah, a little bit because mm-hmm. you go into game like if you go into games and like let's say you're like Mike Pelfrey's starting in a, in a game, and I know you were a big Pelf fan uh, to start the year, but it, it does kind of take the wind out of your sail a little bit when you got a guy like Pelfrey on the mound, and you know you have this lineup and the lineup's kind of there every day. But I think that having the starter, uh, you know, a good young starter there, it, it it gives you a little bit more optimism going into the game. It kind of makes things a little bit fresh. Mm, yeah. uh, so you know, even if even if they lost that day, like ooh, you know, Norris is pitching tomorrow. Let's kind of check out and what see what happens here. Whereas the lineup, I think it's just because they're there every day and it's a little bit more mundane. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. Um, and obviously, I'm, I'm definitely more of a pitching guy just in general. So I, I completely agree. Uh, Michael Fulmer, uh, six innings pitched in seven of his last ten. That's that's pretty good for a rookie. Um, how do you view the job that they've done in limiting his innings? I think that they've had a very they've had a very tough job to do. And I think that overall they've done pretty well with it. Uh, I almost wonder if some of his issues so far have been related to him getting juggled around in the rotation. You know, he has a regular four days rest at one point and then he gets seven days off and then he gets like 10 days off and then he gets another four days off. And just, you know, that not being able to get in that routine, I think has messed with him more than anything, because if you look at some of the numbers, his velocity seems to be kind of where it should be. I don't think it's changed much. He's, you know, the stuff still looks like it's there. It's just consistency isn't necessarily there. He's missing his spots at some points. And yeah, some of that could be fatigue, but I think that it has just as much to do with just him not being on that regular routine. Uh, because you see, he goes out and pitches like he did on Friday and just has his awesome start. And so I don't think that he would be still being still pitching that well and being able to shut down lineups if he were really kind of hitting that rookie wall. Yeah, that, that's a really interesting way of looking. I feel like on the on the TV broadcast, they're always talking about how when when it's bad starts that, you know, he the narrative is that he looks tired. But you're right. Maybe it's more of looking rusty when some of the starts haven't been so good as opposed to tired, because there's been obviously like like uh, two nights ago when you know clearly he's not tired he's coming out there with with his best stuff um maybe that's more of the issue and you know hopefully hopefully that's the case we don't want to see him uh don't want to see him tiring yeah if anyone if anyone is tiring at this point i i almost wonder if it'd be matt, matt boyd mm-hmm. uh i don't know what his velocity looked like today but there was like a start a week or two ago where he didn't pitch well against the twins and i want to say his fastball was only around like 90 miles an hour or something like that. I could be wrong on this, but that's what it kind of seemed like during during the game. Uh, Norris is actually throwing a little bit harder at this point. Uh, I saw an article on Fangraphs about him the other day that I need to go back and read. Uh, but I think that Norris is actually throwing a little bit harder, and then you know Fulmer is still pitching well at times when he's not so rusty. So uh, it's good to see that these guys are able to pitch well into September, and hopefully that continues, uh, you know, in the next couple of years. Um, let's go back to today, Sunday, the u- ugly day. Um, not to pour cold water on our, on our Matt Boyd talk, uh, but he did poo himself a little bit. Five batters reached to start the game, four scored, um, and we're behind all game. I don't want to uh, dwell on this game too much because it was it was rough and soul-crushing, but I want to go back to the bottom of the third inning. Did you see this? We're down 7-4 to four after Victor's yeah. grand slam. Mm-hmm. Bases are loaded with two outs, and Romine comes to the plate. Uh, for those who didn't see, he squares to bunt directly back to Dylan G. One, two, put out, easy as you like, and rally killed. Um, my initial thought was, what just happened? Um, I still haven't really come up with an explanation. Do you, like, what What was happening there? Well, from what I've seen, it seems like Osmus didn't call 
for a month that there was something Roman was doing on his own. That's good for uh, his sake. You, you kind of wonder why Roman was doing that on his own. Maybe he saw something. Maybe he saw, you know, like a chance to get get a, a bunt base hit or anything like that. I didn't see where, you know, like a third baseman was playing at the time. So maybe he just, you know, tried to bunt for a base hit and screwed up. Who knows? Um, but obviously they're not calling for like a sacrifice bunt or anything no. like that at that point. Uh, it just didn't, in, didn't end up working out for them. Uh, and I saw that there there's some weird thing on Twitter that like, the media wasn't allowed to talk to Romine after the game either, and so I don't know what that was about, but that's definitely a little bit fishy to me. That That is extremely fishy. Um, yeah, I, I, my initial thought was like, oh, if Osmus called that, he is going to get filleted. Um, but I, I don't think he could have. I was actually wondering why, Os- why Romine was up there hitting. I know he's been he's been hot, but at that point in the game... You know, you got Iglesias on your bench. You have, you know, Moya on your bench. You have other other options that aren't known for their ability to play multiple positions and not, you know, hit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I know that Iglesias was unavailable today. Uh, apparently, he was uh, very sh- uh, shaken by the passing of Jose Fernandez. And it makes sense. They're both they're both Cuban. He probably knew Fernandez very well. Uh, but as far as pinch hitting for Roman, I still think it's a little bit early in the game for that. And Roman has been hitting well lately. Uh, I think there there's some numbers here. And it actually coincides with like when Roman started growing his beard that he started hitting a lot better. So he's got some beard beard power working for him and i i wish they would have just kind of let him swing away maybe we'd be looking at andrew romine's first career grand, grand slam in a tiger's win i've kind of come around on romine and maybe it maybe that coincides with the beard too like he just does a job most of the time obviously not not this time there should be like a fan graphs that also that like one of the things you can you know use to to toggle with is is facial hair yeah, definitely have to have something like that because it's very real and sock height too. Oh yeah, that's another big one. Like when JV when JV started wearing the socks high, he started pitching better. Yeah, that's yeah. these are very real things. <laughs> um, so we finished the season uh, fifteen and four versus the Twins. Obviously, they suck, but we beat them almost eighty percent of the time. Um, let's see, six thirty two winning. Oh god, they went undefeated at Target Field. They Just weren't I, nine and zero in Minnesota, which is crazy. Uh, 632 winning percentage against the White Sox, uh, six of seven from the Rays, and we swept the Marlins. But we are 15 and 30 versus uh, the teams that are currently in the playoffs this year. Um, obviously, you're supposed to beat the bad teams, and you're going to have trouble against the good teams. Um, but we got pummeled so bad against all of the good teams this year. Like, how do you wrap your mind? Like, we we pummeled the good, the bad teams, and got pummeled by the good teams. Like, are we? Did we play like to our exact capabilities this year? Are we like directly between the bad teams and the good teams, or is there? I don't, I don't know about that. Um, because you know, you say what fifteen and thirty against mm-hmm. teams in playoff position. Most of that is just their terrible record against the Indians. That's true. Uh, yep. If you take that out of the equation, there were like a couple games under five hundred um, against these good teams. They went into there was that series in Toronto where they were starting a bunch of random people. I think Verlander was the only real kind of good starter at that point, and they were starting Boyd. Boyd pitched well, and they won that game. But then like Pelvery and I Sanchez, Pelvery, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they struggled in Baltimore. They actually did fairly well against boston five and two yep against and beat and beat texas in a couple games in texas um and so i don't read too much into kind of regular season numbers against teams like if the tigers were going into the alds i wouldn't really look too far into 
how they played against that team in the regular season. Uh, obviously, with the Indians, I think you do need to to take that into account because there are so many more games. But overall, I don't really worry about that, and I'm I'm glad that the Tigers have played well against the teams they should beat like that. Uh, you know, it's obviously rough that they're going into a series with Cleveland this week, and hopefully they can uh, take advantage of, of the Indians a little bit here, but uh, that could be, that could be a tough one. And maybe the reason why they don't end up eventually making the postseason. Hopefully I Cleveland's they've either clinched or are very close to clinching. Correct. I mean, they, yeah, I think their magic number is down to one now. Gotcha. So maybe I, I know that they, they, pro- they don't like us very much. And obviously they enjoy, especially the Cleveland fans enjoy the straight dominance they've had against us this year. So they're probably not going to take their foot off the gas that much. But did you see some of the lineups that the, that the Cubs have put out uh, since they've uh, clinched in, in the central? Uh, I imagine they were probably pretty. So, some of them were were probably pretty weak. And yeah. here's to to hoping that that Francona not not that you want to win that way, but I'll I'll take winning anyway. If you could go ahead and put out a couple lineups that might maybe take it a little bit easier on us, that would be okay with me also. Well, the day after the the Indians clinch, if they do clinch in Detroit, um, there's definitely be kind of that. The, you know the hangover lineup of mm-hmm. uh, them partying so much and then having to take uh, a lot of their regulars out the next day off uh, i haven't taken a look into the starting pitching matchups either it's going to be a real different because you know they don't have salazar anymore they don't have carrasco and so i think that's a big reason why the indians have pitched or played so well against tigers this year just because they've had this great starting rotation uh, i know that Corey kluber is pitching uh tomorrow looking at oh man Corey kluber is going against buck farmer tomorrow uh yeah so so here are the the matchups on monday like you say Corey Kluber against Buck Farmer. On Tuesday, it's Clevenger against Verlander. Uh, On Wednesday, uh, Trevor Bauer against Michael Fulmer, and then Cody Anderson against Norris on on Thursday. I don't I don't hate any of those matchups really, except for you know yeah, except for Kluber against Farmer. That's not not ideal. But I mean, watch that be the game they win too, (laughs) just because because baseball. Yeah, Um, I've gotten uh, I've got I've gotten to used to buck i i actually kind of like buck much more out of the bullpen um but I, I don't hate him starting at this point i really don't think we have a better option especially considering that we used Annenball and pelfrey and zimmerman and pretty much anyone else that could make that start today yeah i mean Pel- pelfrey has been rough lately uh sanchez has been okay he's kind of been on and off he's pitched well against the twins but he kind of always seems to do that even last year he's pitching really well against minnesota um and then you get zimmerman who just hasn't been able to get outs uh and i still think that he's still working his way back from that injury they're having him throw some simulated games and the fact that they made him throw more than one and they haven't put him back in yet is a little bit of a concern and so you know you're kind of down to that point now where you got to use someone else and i think buck farmer is the best guy for that i going into the year if i would have said buck farmer is going to start the seventh to last game of the year that we need to win i would have been a little little surprised at that i would have yeah i definitely would have been surprised that we were still within striking distance of the playoffs at that point uh here are the matchups for the uh for the orioles gosman against aaron sanchez on tuesday that'll be that'll be a tasty one ubaldo against liriano on wednesday chris tillman against mark uh marcus stroman on thursday and then they come no they're still on the road in the bronx gallardo against michael pineda on friday wade miley against tanaka on saturday and Dylan Bundy against our our old friend Luis Sessa on on Sunday. That's that's not ideal. I I, I mean, it's good for us. Th- those are five to six decent starting pitchers that they're going to face. 
Yeah, and it'd be nice if the in, or the Yankees could help us out a little bit more than they did over the weekend in Toronto. Uh, playing it at home should help. Or the, all the games for Baltimore are on the road, right? Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so Baltimore playing on the road should definitely definitely help. You know, the Tigers have to go on the road to Atlanta at the end of the year, but even with you know some of the updated offensive numbers that a lot of people have been tweeting out lately, I still think the Tigers have a have a solid chance of of winning a couple games in that series. I think it really just comes down to what Detroit is able to do this week against Cleveland. Yeah, and and so and so it should be. It it kind of drives me a little bit nuts that that our last games are on the road in in a national league park um so if we can take care of of cleveland and have it be a little bit more uh i don't know just give us some some breathing room to to face atlanta that would be great the matchups in atlanta matt boyd against aaron blair who's young but very talented saturday uh looks like as a question mark zimmerman is who uh mlb has scheduled i don't know if that's that's accurate against julio tehran and then sunday or sunday verlander against ryan weber um, how many do you? How many games do you think we need to win to get in? We got seven left. Uh, seven left, and they're what? Just a game, game. behind in the loss column. It's yes. a game and a half overall, but I think just one in the loss column. Right. I think to win to win outright, I think they need to win five. Um, but to win, I think, and I think that four would get them a game one sixty three, because the tiebreaker uh, I read up on this is a one sixty three. It's not just like based on head to head. I'm good with that. That, that so, would be so much fun. And extra. I think four, win, four wins gets them 163, and five gets them in the playoffs. So let's see. Uh, it would be if Vol, uh, Verlander goes on Sunday, it would be Fulmer going in that in that extra game. That would be yeah. Oh, that would be awesome. Not mm-hmm. that I want that. I'd rather just get in outright. But oh yeah, the extra game would be sweet. Um, let's see. So do we have? Uh, I, I would say the Verlander and Clevenger game. I like I like our odds there, and I like Verlander against Weber on Sunday. I think there's two two there. You got to get two out of Fulmer, Norris, and Boyd, and then yeah. you, then you got a couple wild card games with Buck and possibly Zimmerman starting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I almost kind of like the odds of Zimmerman if he comes back. Uh, you know, if he does get back at this point, I think the Tigers are think that he's ready to go. Um, you know, he may be on a little bit of a pitch count there, but if anything, that will let the Tigers be a little bit more aggressive in pulling him if he's yeah. struggling. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's going against the National League team. Uh, you know, maybe at this point, it's not necessarily something he's more accustomed to, but he's pitched in Atlanta before. Uh, he kind of knows that lineup a little bit, even though it's probably a bit different than what he's faced in the in the past. Um, but I think that there's a certain comfort level that may be there for Zimmerman that wouldn't necessarily be there for another starter oh that's that's true i didn't even think about that okay i'll put you on the spot um how many do we get and is it enough i think we get four i said this last week on our podcast that i think that there's a game 163 and so i'm going to stick with that now i think they get four wins and they play a game 163 Mm. i'm going to say five just because i'm an optimist um I still, I, I kind of want to see a 163 and then the, then the playoff game. Um, hopefully, hopefully we'll win it outright. I, I think we do. I think we do win, win the division out. Well, the question is, the question is like, let's say that Verlander has a pitch on Sunday and then Fulmer pitches to 163. Who pitches in the wild card game? I think it got to go Norris, right? I mean, he's, he's been the next best starter at, at this point. Yeah, I'm trying to think of, like, how the rest would work out. And I think that based on what you described, yeah, Norris would be the one to go because Boyd wouldn't necessarily be ready at that point if he pitches on friday and the wild card games on tuesday 
Which, it's yeah, either it Tuesday or Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it's Tuesday, then Boyd wouldn't be on full rest. He'd only be on short rest for that. And so, yeah, I think it'd probably be Norris. Which I'm, I'm good with that. Why not? He's been, hey. he's been hot. I'll take it. Yeah. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. All right. Are you ready to go to your power rankings? Yes. So we have we have a couple options here. Uh, we have models of minivan. Uh, always a classic there. We also have MLB team uniforms. Ooh, that's a, that's a tasty one. Why don't we go with that one? I, I like that idea. Okay. Okay. So MLB team uniforms. These these include all uniforms, but there's a little bit of explanation involved. Uh, at number seven, the seven best ones, we actually have a tie. Oh. Uh, yep. Tied for number seven uh, are the the Padres. Mm-hmm. The Padres have some some pretty solid uniforms. Uh, if I don't know if how many Padres games you've seen this year, but they've brought back kind of one of their older color schemes. They've got a little bit of the blue, a little bit of kind of that yellowish gold, and a little bit of brown working in, and it's nice. Uh, but they haven't gone like fully back to those like 1970s throwbacks that are you know they that they did during the All Star game. Yeah, I, they kind of got like the weird mm-hmm. the weird font. Those are awesome, and so they're all right, but. They didn't bring back the uh, the throwbacks, and so got to dock them a little bit. Uh, and since since the, I'm kind of going off a hypothetical uniform for them, the actual number seven is probably going to be the Cardinals. Uh, they have a very classic look. You're going to hear that word a lot here, uh, but their home uniform is awesome. Uh, that classic kind of just white, simple uniform. Uh, the road one, I'm not as sold on, and it's the Cardinals, so I got to dock them a few points for that. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. Don't don't at me, Cardinals fans, best fans in baseball. <laughs> don't at me for that. Uh, at number six, we have the the Yankees. Uh, hate to do it, but the Yankees do have that awesome uh, classic look with the pinstripes for their home uniform. The problem with them is that their their road uniform is very plain, very boring, and so they, they get docked a little bit for that. But still, that home uniform is carrying a lot of weight, and so that's why they're still in the seven best. Especially uh, num- now that, that it's made out of cotton. Yes, absolutely. Uh, at, at number five, very very expensive cotton, but, but cotton nonetheless. Uh, at number five, we have the Mariners. Okay. Uh, they have they have kind of a, a unique set of uniforms. They have you know your typical white. They also wear kind of this awesome teal uniform at home sometimes, uh, and I'm a big fan of that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, they also have these awesome throwbacks. It's like a little bit of an off white, uh, and they also kind of have that like old school font on them too. It's very cool. It's kind of got that old school like Mariners like blue and gold look to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, very very slick looking uniform, and so I'm a big fan of that one. 
Uh, at number four, we have the Blue Jays. Yes. Oh, absolutely. I'm a sucker for kind of 90s era logos, and the Blue Jays went back to kind of that that Blue Jays uh, logo that they had in the 90s when they were really good, as well as uh, kind of the the interesting piping on their uniforms, mm-hmm. where the you know the kind of lettering is almost like two lines, uh, either way, and it's almost like it's got a blue line down the middle. Big, big, big fan of that one, uh, and I like to see both both the white and the blue uniforms at home. Those those are pretty slick looking. Not as big of a fan of the red ones that they wear sometimes, but I kinda they like don't the do reds though. The reds they 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 don't they don't and they don't do it that much, and so I'm not going to dock them too much for that. It's a it's a solid uniform, and I think it matches uh, matches their stadium well. I I think that the the Blue Jays fans wear the most like percentage have the most jerseys, so it's good that their jersey is actually sweet. It could, yeah, it could be that, and it also could be that they're wearing a lot of Maple Leafs jerseys, and it's just the same color, <laughs> yeah. and then we don't notice. <laughs> could be that could too. Be. It, it is, it is a hockey town. That, that it is. Uh, going, going to number three, we have the Oakland A's. Uh, those, their white uniforms, the home whites that they wear, are pretty sweet. They also have kind of the gold ones, uh, which I'm, a, uh, you know, I'm kind of a fan of. Wasn't necessarily a fan when they were uh, playing against us in the postseason all those years. Uh, was not happy with them then. Uh, but the green ones too. But the big thing, the big thing with the A's is the white shoes. Oh yeah, love, love the white shoes. It's clean. Uh, Yep, very clean look. I'm very, very uh, big fan of that one. At number two, we have the Dodgers. Uh, and the Dodgers, kind of like some of these other teams, they've got the you know classic white home uniform, uh, very simple with just the lettering on the front. I like the red number on it too. Hmm. That's a good look. Uh, and they get bonus points because it's Vin Scully's last season. <laughs> you know, he's calling some of his last games this week. Going to have to tune into as many of those as I can. Absolutely. Definitely. Now at number one, do you have a guess? I got to go Tigers. Absolutely. It is definitely the Tigers. And while I may be one of those war guys, uh, I am still a raging homer for the Tigers. Uh, <laughs> and so it, it is definitely them. That home uniform is the best in baseball. Absolutely. No, no questions asked. Uh, the road uniform could maybe use a little bit of improvement. I kind of like when they wear those like throwback. What is it like 1960s era ones? Mm-hmm. I, those I, are pretty I think sweet. So, yeah. The current ones don't do it as much for me, but still it's tough to top what they do for uh for the home uniform yeah, so just, tigers number one uniform in baseball okay. and if you don't like it you're listening to a tigers podcast so what do you expect <laughs> that's a good point it's a very solid point all right now the three worst so <laughs> at number three third worst the colorado rockies mm. they're doing some weird things with their uniforms uh and if you look at some of the ones they wore in the 90s they were just horrible <laughs> The Rockies kind of have this weird color scheme going on. It's black. It's purple. Sometimes they wear like black, like vest jerseys. And I'm not a fan, not a fan of that look at all. Uh, they had the weird ones where there's just like a big mountain on it at one point. It's a, it's a weird look. And I think that that's the reason why they can't win games. It's not the, it's not the stadium. It's not the pitch. It's definitely the uniforms. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, number two, second worst, uh, it's gotta be the Indians, Cleveland yes. Indians for sure. Um, you know, their logo is very offensive to a lot of different cultures. Yeah. Um, they also wear these like weird, like cream colored uniforms sometimes. And I'm not a fan of those. No. Uh, they're only second worst because I don't think they actually wear chief Wahoo on their uniforms or their hats anymore, but they still have them around. And so not a big fan of that. Uh, and do you have a guest for number one? The, uh, the well, I, I personally like them, but possibly the Marlins. No, not the Marlins. I kind of like those too. Yeah. Uh, it's a you know still a kind of a clean look, even though the colors are a little bit weird. I can no, see why people worst, wouldn't though. 
The worst are definitely the Diamondbacks. Okay, yeah. Now, and have you seen have you seen these new atrocities this year that the they're gray wearing? Gray ones. Oh my gosh. The gray ones. Like they have like ten different uniforms. What are you, the Oregon Ducks? <laughs> no. No. Get out of here with your dumb uniforms. It's stupid. <laughs> they're awful, and they look dirty even before they start sliding around. It's terrible. And that's power rankings. That's a very solid, very solid Eric impression right there. Yes, that's what I was going for. Hello, this is Eric's mom, and you're listening to the Podcastianos. Okay, um, I have a couple, uh, let's see, other, I have this labeled under other business, just a few other things that I want to talk with you about before we get out for this week. Um, first of all, the, the new show Pitch uh, debuted on Fox about a, a, a lady that pitches in Major League Baseball. Did you yep. check it out? I did not because the Tigers were playing at the time, and so I didn't get a chance to – I didn't DVR it either. I'll have to go back and find it on like on demand or, or something like that. A lot of people were talking about it. People were kind of making fun of like you know some of the various things in it like, oh, the Giants are in first place or whatever they were saying during the game. Um, but it sounded like the actual kind of premise of the show was interesting, and so that'll be, that'll be a good one to watch. I have to go back to that. They don't have many baseball shows on. So no, they really don't. Got to gotta take advantage of this while we can. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't seen it either. Oh, I, I think it's on, on our – dvr we'll see um have you seen the commercials for the new cheetos chicken fries at burger king initial thoughts yes i have um i'm not entirely a fan i don't know some things just don't necessarily go together and i'm, I'm a little bit weirded out by that i don't eat burger king's regular chicken fries either i'm kind of just you know i go there for the burgers yeah <laughs> um, so so I'm not, I'm not entirely sure what they're doing with there i didn't eat the 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 what was it the dorito taco yeah taco yeah, yeah so so not 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 so sure about these cross promotions between potato chips and fast food. The problem is, is like I'm assuming when you eat them, you're going to get all that orange crap on your hands, and no, nobody wants that either. No, not really. No, it's the worst. Um, and last thing, FIFA 17 comes out this week on Tuesday. Will you be in line at midnight? I will not be in the midline. Uh, in night at mid, in line at midnight. I can't even talk right now. Um, I do. I have FIFA 16, and I'm not necessarily one to buy the game like every year. Gotcha. Uh, and so I think I'm just going to ride it out a little bit with 16 some more. Uh, still got a couple more seasons that I should probably play. And my little, you know, what is it called, Dynasty, or or whatever it is, or yeah. Club Manager, or something like that. I think it's... got a, got a few more seasons I could probably work through with that first. What what uh what games like system do you have it on? I have Xbox One now. Nice. Took the plunge and bought a new one this year. Is, is it worth uh, it? I'm curious. It is pretty sweet. Okay. Um, I've been happy with that. They also have some pretty solid deals sometimes. Uh, like they have this game, uh, what's it called, Titanfall, that I ended up getting for like five bucks. Wow. And it's a pretty, game, pretty sweet game. It's like Call of Duty, but like if Call of Duty drank like five monsters and it was just like, you know, all this stuff. Like it's basically just chaos Call of Duty all the time. Gotcha. It's very... It's very fun, very chaotic. Uh, good way to you know blow an hour or two. <laughs> oh, boy. If you want to get in touch with the, with the show, you can at podcastianos.com. On the Twitter, I am at JordanHall23. The show is at podcastianos. And, Rob, you are at? I'm at BYBRob. And on the Instagram, I am at Jordino4. I'll spell it for all you American listeners. J-O-R-D-I-N-H-O and then the number four. And I, you're on Instagram, too, I'm yep. pretty sure. Yep. Uh, well, I don't even know what my Instagram handle is, to be honest. I'd have to look that up. So uh, at, at me on Twitter, and, and I'll, I'll let you know. There you go. And we would love it if you would take the time to subscribe, uh, subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes. It's been a long time since I've screwed up the word subscribe, but I guess I was a little overdue. 
Yeah. Um, once again, Rob, thank you so much for coming on the show. If you're listening to this, be sure to check out the voice of the turtle this week and every week. Um, Eric will be on there. I'm sure doing his thing. He'll probably be banging on the table as, as per usual. Um, so, so definitely check that out on the iTunes. Yeah. See, I had my computer on my bed. So like when I bang on it, it doesn't really make much of a noise. Ah, that was a problem. <laughs> <laughs> and with that being said, we will catch you guys next week. Um, the biggest of eat em up tigers, eat em ups. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rose, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.